to be back. Carrie and I had a marvelous trip down under, but it's good to be back among family. You might, might or might not know the name Demas. Demas, at one time, was a, a co-worker of the famous apostle Paul and might have become a major player in the New Testament, like he might have become another Timothy or another Barnabas or John Mark, other co-workers of Paul. But Demas lost his way. By the time Paul wrote the second letter to Timothy, he said that Demas, he said, Demas has deserted me, for he loves this present age. So Demas had become so obsessed with this world that, well, that he'd gotten sidetracked. There, in, in, there's, there's a very different description of, a, of another person, an unnamed person in Hebrews 6, that, where it says that uh, he or she had tasted the power of the, the age to come. The power, that confident assurance, that, that power that knows that there is a world beyond this one. We're going to talk about the world beyond this one today and next Sunday. And today we're going to read from 1 Corinthians 15. If you have your Bibles, find that. 1 Corinthians, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Romans, and then 1 Corinthians 15, the letter is divided into chapters, and this is chapter 15. We begin reading at verse uh, 51. Uh, we're talking today and next Sunday about the truth that uh, Miss Kristen hinted at earlier, and that is that, that what we decide about Jesus matters and matters forever. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Notice how Paul weaves together the themes of death and the return of Jesus. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The upshot is that whether we die first or Jesus comes first, what we see is not all there is, and we are headed toward what the Bible calls eternity. Now, we don't think a lot about the next world, maybe, and, you know, we, we go along in our routines, we, we're busy and all that, and, and then sometimes there's something that comes from the outside that, that startles us, that, that changes our perspective, that makes us at least think for a little while about the world that is to come. On the evening of November 22, 1963, an audience sat in a theater in London watching a play. It was an unusual play in that 
part of the script included a, a, a live radio broadcast. There was a guy, the, the, the actor on stage was carrying a transistor radio. Some of you all too young to remember transistor radios, but those were a big deal back in the day. Just imagine your smartphone on speaker and, and it's broadcasting some kind of live event. Well, he had his transistor radio. It was supposed to add a sense of realism to the play. And whatever was on the radio, that, that's what the audience heard. News, weather, music, commercials, they heard it all. What was not in the script was a news bulletin. Remember, it was November the 22nd, 1963. And there was a news bulletin. The announcer broke into the program and said, the American president, John F. Kennedy, has been assassinated. The audience gasped. Their focus shifted from the play to the news from the outside, and they all wondered, of course, what it meant for them. The, the actor, realizing what was going on, tr- shut the radio off, but it was too late, and he had lost, they, he lost the audience. Their focus, at least for that evening, was on, was on something that had come from the outside. We, we live our lives, we live in this theater called our, you know, the, our corner of the world, and, and then every once in a while something comes in, breaks in from the outside. Someone we love is, is diagnosed with a terminal illness, or we are diagnosed with a terminal illness. Someone calls and asks, are you sitting down? I've got bad news. There's a knock in the middle of the night, and the officer at the door says, are you the parents of? Or we, we see planes fly to the World Trade Center, or, or the CDC says, pandemic. Or there's another mass killing, or another, or another. And, and at least for a little while, we... We're faced with our mortality, that we're not going to be here forever. And at least for a little while, we consider what lies beyond our, our last breath, what lies beyond this world. We're going to talk about that today and next Sunday. Let's start with death. Now, I know that's not a fun topic. I know we'd rather not talk about that. And I know we... We try to push it off as long as possible. We, we exercise and we eat tofu. And now, now I, I want you to know I, I want to postpone my, my demise as long as I can. Not so bad I'm ever going to eat tofu, but I, 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 want to, I, I want to live as long as possible. I love this life and I love the people in it and I, I want to put it off as long as possible. But I know that one day I will die. And so will you. I don't mean to be morbid, but it's true that one day there's going to be a funeral or a memorial service, and you or I are going to be the guest of honor. People get all dressed up, and they'll come. That is, if the weather's not bad, they'll come. They'll say nice things. Somebody will say nice things about us, we hope. They might even sing our favorite songs. And then a, a handful of people will gather at at the graveside, under a tent, they'll sit in wobbly chairs, and after a few, after a brief service, they'll meander back to the car, some of them wiping tears. Then the family will get together, maybe back at the church, maybe at their house, and 
And they'll tell stories about us. They'll, they'll say, do you remember when? A lot, and they'll laugh. And then somebody will make a contribution in our memory to, to the church or our favorite charity, and we will be gone. James 4.14, of course, is true. Our life is but a mist that appears for a, a little while. Just like a mist that appears for a little while. And then James 4.14 says, it is gone. Now, that, I'm not trying to depress you or scare you. It, in fact, it's just wise to, to remember that. Remember Psalm 90 said, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It helps us be wise, helps us to make good decisions, to establish appropriate priorities. Charles Poole said that to remember our death gives us a healthy sense of urgency, an appropriate measure of insecurity. A healthy sense of urgency, an appropriate measure of insecurity. What does that mean? Well, this week on TV Church, Lisa Greer interviewed Susan Blevins, her friend who owns the toy place over in Five Points. <clears throat> Susan, during uh, the pandemic, was diagnosed with COVID, had to go to the hospital. She was so sick, and while she was at the hospital, she was diagnosed with cancer. So Lisa asked her, how has this experience changed you? And Susan answered, it made me think I don't want to waste time because I'm like, okay, well, I've got a finite amount of time. When I wake up, I'm like, God made this beautiful day just for me. He doesn't want me to lie in bed watching bad TV. Isn't that great? To remember that we're not here forever gives us a, a healthy sense of urgency, an appropriate measure of insecurity so that we don't lie in bed and watch bad TV all day. We recognize that if we're going to be who God created us to be, to do what he put us on planet Earth to do, we have a finite amount of time to do it. So to remembering that one day we will breathe our last is just a healthy, it's just a healthy thing. But you might not die. Jesus might come first, so let's talk about that. One of the primary and recurring themes in what we call the New Testament is that, that Jesus physically, literally will, will return at the cataclysmic conclusion of history. Jesus will come as a conquering king, and time, as we know it, will come to a dramatic and immediate end. Of that, we can be sure, but we cannot be sure about a lot more than that. Now, there are some who believe they know, I think, more than we can know about the details surrounding the return of Jesus. There are some who seem to think they've got it all figured out. Even people have made some pretty wacky predictions about the return of Jesus, including dates that, of course, come and gone. People are always looking for signs. Something happens in Russia, and people say, oh, that's a sign that Jesus is coming back. Something happens in Israel, that's a sign that Jesus is coming back. AI, artificial intelligence, has been deemed the Antichrist by some, and we know that, well, at least according to some interpretations of Scripture, the Antichrist will come before Jesus will. And so people have said, artificial intelligence is the Antichrist, and that's a sign that Jesus is, is coming. Well, maybe. Maybe. Look, 
So many people are looking for signs. Let's talk about signs for a moment. Philip Yancey, my favorite writer, said he was on safari in South Africa when their guide, Lawrence, pointed to a sign. It wasn't the sign of wildlife, but it was a bush, a a yellow blooming bush, a weeping wattle bush, he called it. And he said, that bush is very important to my people. For he said, in days gone by, the white South Africans brought black people from surrounding countries and put them in the mines and made them do the back-breaking work down in the mines. They got two weeks off a year at Christmas to go home and rest and see their loved ones. But they didn't have a calendar down in the mines. They didn't know when December, when Christmas was coming, except the weeping wattle bush bloomed in December. So they were always looking for the sign. When they saw the yellow blooms of the weeping wattle bush, they knew that it wouldn't be long until they went home and saw their loved ones and rested. People look for signs, and I don't blame them. Life is hard, and it seems like the world is spinning out of control. And so we look for signs, like the weeping wattle bush, the signs that say, Jesus is coming. We just should be careful. Remember, Yogi Berra, in in his tongue-in-cheek way, said, predictions are hard, especially when they're about the future. So let's be careful about predictions, but let there be no doubt that one day, at the cataclysmic conclusion of history, Jesus will come as a conquering king, and time as we know it will come to its immediate and dramatic conclusion. I understand the longing for that. At the end of the very end of the Bible, the next to last sentence in the Bible, the cry of the early Christians, come Lord Jesus, for life is hard and And I understand the longing, looking for signs. Let's be careful, but let there be no doubt that that one day the, the skies will open up and the Lord Jesus will come. So what do we do in the in the meantime? We could we could obsess about it, we could be afraid about it. Do you know that, that line, the stars fell on Alabama? You know, we sing star it's even in a, a song. But there's some Some disagreement as as to the origin of that phrase, the stars fell on Alabama. The late Catherine Tucker Wyndham said it came from November the 13th, 18, let me get it right, November the 13th, 1833. She said uh, that night, the sky, the, the darkened sky, the night sky suddenly was busy and bright with an unprecedented meteor shower. So these planets are screaming across the sky, and the sky is lit up with all these meteors. They never had seen anything like it. And she said, thousands of Alabamians fell to their knees to beg for mercy. They pleaded with the Almighty, if you'll just spare us, we'll we'll stop all our sinful behavior like card playing and dancing and cussing, they said. And, And some people even got on their horses and tried to outrun the end of time. They panicked. But there's a very different story from Hartford, Connecticut, back in 1780. May the 19th, 1780, in Hartford, Connecticut, the the representatives, the state representatives of Connecticut were meeting. 
This was during the day. Instead of the night sky turning bright, the day sky turned suddenly and ominously black. I don't know if it was an eclipse or a storm, but they looked out the window and suddenly the sky was black and they they thought it's the end of time. And they said they clamored for business to stop so that they could go home and prepare. But Colonel Abraham Davenport, the Speaker of the House, said this, The day of judgment is either approaching or it is not. If it is not, there's no cause for adjournment. If it is, I choose to be found doing my duty. Therefore, I move that candles be brought. When the end comes, I hope to be found doing my duty. Instead of obsessing over the end of time or panicking about it, let's just... Let's just join God in his mission to the world and let him worry about the details. Join God in his mission to the world, his mission of compassion to people who are hurting and ill and poor. His mission to make things right among those who are treated unfairly. His mission to proclaim the gospel to people who are without hope and without God in the world. We can either obsess, panic, or be about God's work and let him Let him worry about the details. In fact, Jesus himself said in Luke 13, it is good for the servant to be found at work when the master returns. It is good for the servant to be found at work when the master returns. We cannot know everything about the hereafter. But the fact that we cannot know everything does not mean that we cannot know anything. And we can know that those whose hope is in Jesus and not in our own goodness can expect life forever that never ends in the presence of God himself, a life more wonderful than than we can imagine. We'll talk about that next week. We cannot know everything about the hereafter, but the fact that we cannot know everything does not mean we cannot know anything. And we know that those who have rejected God's offer of hope in Jesus will face an interminable reckoning. And we'll talk about that next week. We cannot know everything about the hereafter. But the fact that we cannot know everything does not mean we cannot know anything. And we know that your decision about Jesus matters forever. Let me say that again. Your decision about Jesus matters. And it matters forever. So let's turn our eyes upon Jesus. 472 is the hymn we're going to sing. We sing so that you may come to follow Jesus, to go public with your decision. We sing so that you may come to join our church. Myself and a couple of other ministers are going to wait down front here for you. And we sing not just to wrap things up. We sing so that you may come.
let's stand.